Our Future Now is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. We've seen just how many people are being put at risk by this regime, by this administration, by Donald Trump and his sycophantic allies. Hi, everyone. My name is Jonah Gottlieb, and I'm the co-founder and executive director of the National Children's Campaign. And I'm Natalie Meebane, and I'm the co-founder and vice president of public policy and government relations for the National Children's Campaign. Welcome to Our Future Now. Today, we're talking about Donald Trump's assault on our democracy, his sabotage of the Postal Service, how we are slipping into authoritarianism and fascism, and what you can do to stop it now. There is a name that you should know, and that name is Louis DeJoy. This man and the Trump administration are waging war on the Postal Service in order to keep everyday Americans from expressing their voice in our democracy. About 25% of Americans currently, and back in, this is back in 2016, so this was the last presidential election, one in four, 25% voted by mail. So it's not that vote by mail hasn't been happening. It's been an important part of how we have cast our ballots for years. But the problem is, is that we are now in a global pandemic, which the U.S. government has not been handling well, as everyone has seen. And now it's not just a matter of making sure that uh, people can be, you know, have the convenience of voting by mail. It's telling people that if they want to cast their ballot, they have to possibly risk their life going in person in many places that have reduced the number of in-person voting centers, right? Because they have to put in more precautions, more protections. And so this is a place that we're in now where if we don't have vote by mail, there will potentially be millions of Americans who don't even get the right to vote that will have themselves be essentially disenfranchised because our federal government, our president, is afraid that if Americans rise up and actually vote, that they'll vote him out of office. So Trump has repeatedly tried to slash the budget of the Postal Service and is now blocking, along with his ally Mitch McConnell, the HEROES Act, which would allot $25 billion for the Postal Service. And so now because the Postal Service is defunded, it's needing to raise rates on states to pay for vote by mail. And so instead of paying the normal 20 cent bulk rate per ballot, it's now having to pay the first class rate of 55 cents per ballot. That means it's now nearly three times the cost for states to mail ballots to voters, which means that they need to spend money on elections that they could be spending on health care or PPE or hazard pay for essential workers. You know what's so ridiculous about this, Jonah? Not only is he purposely holding up um, the HEROES Act to pay out to states to actually support the Postal Service, not only is he purposely making it harder for people to vote, but on top of that, he's trying to make it as expensive as possible for states to mail ballots to their voters. So that states already have almost no money anymore because of all the cost of coronavirus, right? They've already gone broke trying to pay out unemployment benefits and all these other costs that have happened because of coronavirus. Businesses have closed. So what does he do in that time? Try to triple the cost for a state to even send ballots to their citizens. So he's trying to disincentivize them to even have ballots mailed. And hopefully, he's hoping that states will be too broke 
to even send ballots to their citizens. So that is, I mean, that is absolutely criminal. And just to tell you, if you want to know some of the responses from some members of Congress, Congressman Jerry Connolly of Virginia tweeted, it was deliberate sabotage to disrupt mail service on the eve of the election. Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts asked, how many ways can the new postmaster general sabotage the USPS? Right. And Alma Adams of North Carolina, Representative Alma Adams and Congressman Peter DeFazio of Oregon called to the new Postmaster General DeJoy to resign or be removed from office. So people are fighting back. Members of Congress, senators, everybody is fighting back because this is not just an assault on an institution in the United States. This is assault on democracy itself. I had to vote by mail in the last two elections because I was out of my state. I could not vote in my state, even if I had done early voting, I would have still been out of my state at the time because I was on campaigns. And so does that mean that me being obviously, you know, motivated to take part in democracy, that I should then lose my right to vote? Of course not. But that is exactly what the president is trying to do. Or if I'm, say, very much at risk of coronavirus, should I risk my life to go vote in person and risk getting sick and getting family members, friends sick in order to exercise my right to vote? And so this is just, to me, honestly, Jonah, this is just further proof of what everybody was afraid of in the very beginning when Trump first got elected, was that we would slowly dissent into authoritarianism. People ask, what would they have done if they were alive in the past, like in, you know, in, in Europe in the 30s and 40s? Well, you're going to find out right now what you would have done back then because you get the chance to do the same thing now. So according to Dr. Lawrence Britt back in 2003, there are some warning signs of fascism that you see in every single case when you see a society or a country slipping into fascism. So powerful and continuing nationalism, disdain for the recognition of human rights, identification of enemies and scapegoats as a unifying cause, supremacy of the military, rampant sexism, controlled mass media, obsession with national security, religious and government institutions are intertwined, corporate power is protected, labor power is suppressed, there's disdain for intellectuals and the arts, there's obsession with crime and punishment, there's rampant cronyism and corruption, and of course, fraudulent elections. And every single one of those boxes has been checked in the past four years by the Trump administration. When you read that list out loud, Jonah, it's terrifying. Because we've been seeing this since early on. I mean, even in his first year in office, right, we saw the whole closing the borders, banning other people from other countries, just arbitrarily deciding, no, you can't come in, your people aren't allowed, Up, oh, you can't make it here, coming up with arbitrary excuses. And, you know, he extended his ban. The first time it happened in, in the beginning of his term, there were massive protests at airports, right? People were being turned away. Now, this is another sign of authoritarianism, is you start getting used to it. So the things that he was doing in 2017 were shocking. They were shocking. And then when he's doing it again in 20, 2019, 2020, it's like, well, you know, I guess this is just what we do now. We just ban entire nations for no reason. I mean, even locking up people, locking up children, locking up people from other countries who, yes, who've come here, you know, seeking asylum and saying, you know what, we're going to hold you indefinitely in this place. And we're not going to tell you when you can leave. We're going to keep you in deplorable conditions. Nobody knows even sure if they're there. 
They have no contact with relatives. And it's literally, I mean, Jonah, you would call it the same thing. It would, it's a concentration camp. And here we are in 2020, just looking at it like it's normal. I want to just talk a little bit about concentration camps really quickly, because at, not every concentration camp is a death camp or is, is an extermination camp. Our definition of concentration camp comes from Andrea Pitzer, who's the author of One Long Night, A Global History of Concentration Camps. And so what she says is that, quote, the definition of that in my book is mass detentions of civilians without trial. And so the primary purpose of concentration camps has always been designed at a basic level to separate a group of people from another group. And so obviously, this is what's happening now. We have this mass detention of people without trial. And these are children. In many, in many, many, many cases, these are children who are being locked up, detained in concentration camps, and are being left now, um, in many cases, especially during the pandemic, to die. So dozens and dozens of people have died in ICE custody. Dozens have died in, you know, other camps and other uh, cells and other, you know, under the supervision of other agencies uh, during this administration. And especially during a pandemic, we've seen just how many people are being put at risk by this regime, by this administration, by Donald Trump and his sycophantic allies. You know, these takeovers, this loss of democracy, this authoritarianism, it doesn't usually happen overnight. It's usually something that happens from hit after hit after hit until you just become used to it and nothing shocks you anymore. You know, kids in cages. Yeah, it was shocking for a while. Now we're just used to it. You know, banning people from certain countries, entire countries, simply because you're like, well, I don't want those countries here. That was shocking at first. And then he extended it and doubled his list. And it wasn't so shocking anymore. Having secret police, which to me at least is still shocking, but we knew was coming next. These so-called federal agents that have no, you know, no identification on them. Nobody knows who they are. Snatching people off the streets. Those were things that people thought could happen. And now we're watching that occur and he's defending it. And I think when you add all these things up together and now add it to the final thing, not well, I can't say it's the final. It's likely just a mid goal for him, but to overthrow essentially the post office, making it difficult to vote, knowing that people have to rely on mail voting even more than usual because of the pandemic and knowing that the only way he could even hold on to his grip to power is to cheat and steal the election. And honestly, as soon as you start stealing elections, you cannot claim to be a democracy. You cannot claim to have any type of freedom. And I would be terrified, terrified to find out what a second term Trump administration would be knowing that he won from stealing the election. And that's why I think it's so important that we work right now. We have a few short months left work right now to make sure that we save democracy in this country. And we've seen that with his cozying up to foreign authoritarian leaders around the world. He's openly praised countries that don't have term limits for their leaders. He's fired all sorts of people within the federal government who have been trying to investigate him. He's designated a non-existent organization, Antifa, as a terrorist organization. And what I mean by non-existent is that there is no central organization called Antifa. There is no Antifa.com. There is nowhere where anyone who believes that fascism is bad 
should get together and, you know, join the no fascism club. So when he does that, when he says that opposing fascism is wrong, that opposing fascism is a terrorist activity, then he is saying that believing in democracy and fighting for democracy is a terrorist activity. Fighting to make sure that children are not locked in cages when they've done nothing wrong is a terrorist activity. And so fighting for our democracy now is more important than ever. But we know also that it's not just Trump. Trump alone was not the one who designated Antifa as a terrorist organization. It was William Barr, his attorney general. Trump alone is not the one defunding the post office. It's Louis DeJoy. Trump alone is not the one locking children in cages and sending unidentified federal agents to lock up peaceful protesters. It's his entire administration. It's the entire corrupt and morally bankrupt group of people that are bringing us closer and closer to full-on authoritarianism every single day. So between now and election day, we need to make 100% sure that the bigotry, that the authoritarianism, the approaching fascist behavior of Donald Trump is consigned to one term. If you would like to prevent the fascist takeover of America come November, go to voteforourfuture.org slash vote by mail. If you want the post office fully funded, you need to go to voteforourfuture.org slash USPS to sign the petition to fully fund the post office so that they can operate properly this election and in the future. These are things that we have to do together as a nation if we want to actually have democracy in 2021. And also, if you are going to vote in person, if you are able to go, you need to wear proper PPE, personal protective equipment, a proper face mask. You need to bring your hand sanitizer. You need to bring your face shield if you have them. Take every precaution that you need to protect yourself and those around you. But what you need to do is vote this November. There are no reasons not to if you are a citizen in this country and you are eligible, all right? This is no longer a time to wait and to hope that democracy stays here. It is up for us, it's up to us right now in the next couple months that we have to ensure that we actually have a future to vote for. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Our Future Now. If you'd like to read more about the topics we covered in this episode, make sure to click the links in our show notes. Our Future Now is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. We would like to give a special thanks to our media partners, Parentology. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform and share this episode with your family and friends on social media. I'm Natalie Meebane. And I'm Jonah Gottlieb. And this is Our Future Now. Now.